105.7 The River. Joining me in the studio is a guy named Darlow. Now, you might know him from the track we've recently started playing. It's a cover of Goanna. And Scott, otherwise known as Darlow, joins me. Hi, Scott. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Pip. It's a pleasure to have you in. So, please tell me, how did this come about? Well, um, we were just talking off air, actually. I used to sing covers back in the day when I was in uni and stuff and um, trying to pay my bills. And uh, in my cover set, Solid Rock was always a song that I played. Um, and, and for a couple of reasons. One, because it's an amazing song. And also for me, I'm an Aboriginal man and uh, I'll have a little brag here. I'm actually a premiership hero with the Rumbalara Football Club, just so you know. <laughs> uh, all my, yeah, a lot of my mob are over in Shepparton and family are up there, you know. So, um, you know, so for us as Aboriginal people, Solid Rock is a very important song because it was really the first time that our elders ever turned the radio on and heard a song about our mob. Mm. It was the first time we ever heard the didgeridoo on the radio mainstream, you know, so it's really kind of significant historically. Um, so when we, when we came to make this record that's just about to be released, um, it'll be available in all good stores. Um, we, we did the whole thing in Orange County in California, you know, and, um, and you know, if, yeah, people come up and say, cause you play it live, you know, have you got a version of it? So we decided to track it. And, um, after we'd recorded it, it's quite different. If you've heard it, you would realise that we've changed a little bit on it. And um, and that's just because I think if you're going to sing someone else's song, you've got to do it differently enough to make it worth doing. You know, no one wants to hear me sing Solid Rock the same as Shane Howard. Like, he's a genius. So I can never do it. Mind you, though, I'm not going to lie to you. It has been slightly divisive with our audience. There are some yeah. go-on a purists oh, out there. Um, have you had much feedback um, about the song? Look, I'll be honest. A lot of the most of the feedback that I've had has been positive. But look, I released it knowing that there's going to be people who hate it. I think um, with a classic song yeah. like that, making changes, there's Absolutely. always going to be people look, I think who don't like. The change. thing that you got to understand is that music is very powerful and it's emotive, you know, and and it and it signifies times in our lives. You know, for me, my father passed away um, when I was young. He was an alcoholic and he died from the booze, you know, and so I was 20. And, and when he was dying, I was listening to a lot of Billy Joel, you know, and we were very close. And so for me, I can't listen to Billy Joel because all these years later, 12 years later, it tears me up. Um, so I, I, I get it, you know, like when you change someone's song, you mess with their memories. And um, and for that, that's the reason. That was one of the reasons that I asked Shane to sing on it with me was because I wanted to respect those fans that love him and love the song. And that is yeah. another thing. How did you get Shane Howard to oh, sing on the I song? I pretty much just stalked him. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been mates for a little while and, and, and really it was just, I didn't want to disrespect him. He's a hero of mine. And so once we'd recorded it and it was quite different, I, I rang him and I said, look, brother, I've done a version of your song. If you don't like it, I won't release it. I need your blessing to release it. And so he said, he listened to it and he said, I love it. And he loved what we'd done. He loved that it was fresh and that we changed the guitar parts on it. And so then I said, well, look, would you be interested in re-singing the vocal track with me? And I didn't actually think he'd say yes, but he did, um, which was a huge honor because he gets asked all the time to do different things that he doesn't really do. And um, so, yeah, I was very, very blessed from that. It's interesting to me that you've released actually quite a number of albums, mm. but right now is like the first time that mm. I've personally really uh, come to know of you, mm. you do except a lot for, of except for Crime Stoppers. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm yeah, placing yeah, that episode. Now yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting it. But uh, your work as a World Vision artist—what yep. does that entail? Oh, look, that just means that four or five years ago, World Vision came to me. See, I've been, I mean, I've been touring for ten years and travel around Asia, America, and Australia, and I've been, I've been honestly just quite content doing my thing and not seeking airtime or fame or any of those sorts of things. And um, 
And if I'm really honest, I've probably been a little bit, had my, you know, my head in the clouds about it, just sort of thinking, well, it doesn't matter. Um, and then a couple of things happened. A year ago, I, 13 months ago, I was trying to put a, a trailer onto my Kingswood and it slipped and it chopped the end of my middle finger on my left hand <gasps> off, which is my guitar hand, you know, and so they had, I had to have oh two gosh. lots of plastic surgery and it was really hectic. I didn't know if I'd be able to play guitar again. Um, or give the middle finger. Yeah. I, well, no, because when I did play guitar, we went on tour. Petrus and I, we went on tour to China and I had to do a month of shows where I'm given the bird because I couldn't <laughs> use that finger on the neck, on the fretboard. But... Um, is that a cultural icon over there like it is here? Would they have realised? Oh, you the... know, I think they were just happy to have the didgeridoo getting played, to be honest. Yeah, but, right. um, <laughs> they just dig it. But, but, you know, what it did was it actually made me really stop and reassess everything in my life. And what I realised was that if I can get this record out and get some real commercial success with it, what it actually allows me to do is have a, a louder voice for my people. Mm. Um, and it allows me to share the, the amazing work that World Vision Australia are doing in Aboriginal communities. Like not many people even know that they work in Aboriginal communities, um, but they are. They're doing amazing stuff in healthcare and education. And, um, you know, and I say to people often, like, it's great that we sponsor kids overseas and we should never stop doing that. It's very important. But I think a lot of us are doing well enough to be able to look after our backyard as well as someone else's. Well, they do say help starts at home yeah, and, and you actually do work as well. What do you, what do, you do with what you do when you're not singing songs. I'm always singing, but we, during the day, we go into schools around Australia. So we're in about a hundred high schools a year during the day. I spent a couple of years as a high school teacher. Um, and then sort of my dad died and a whole bunch of things happened. And I just made me reassess really what I wanted to do, what my passion was. And I decided that I'd use my music to go into schools, connect with kids and talk about Aboriginal culture, reconciliation, um, and just, yeah, challenge people to be the best versions of themselves that they can be. Um, and so like we spent all day today at Wodonga Catholic and we'll spend all day tomorrow there. Um, you know, we'll be at Xavier later in the year. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm really passionate about doing. And, and I think that that's the, the beautiful thing about music is it allows you to be in front of so many people. Uh, and if they like your music, they'll listen to what you've got to say about other different issues. Sometimes if they don't like your music, they'll be happy to listen to it as well because I think that is the one yeah. thing about music that is so – people are just interested in it mm. and it is such a vehicle for expression and for mm. change Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look at – I'm always inspired by guys like Bono and not that I'm in any way <laughs> likening myself to him, but, you know, Bono <laughs> – Yeah, that's right. But I think Bono has probably created more change for good in the last 20 years than any politician. You know, through his um his different things that he's done, and you know, Midnight Oil before I was around, you know, did so much amazing stuff in raising awareness of different issues. You know, so there's a history of just musicians who have changed the world. And look, if we can play a small part in going forward for my people, then I'd be really wrapped. What would you like to see for Indigenous <sighs> Australians? I would love to see us getting our kids educated. Yep. You know, now I am biased because I'm an ex high school teacher, but I think. Look, we talk about closing the gap. We talk about reconciliation. At the moment, the discrepancy between Indigenous kids who finish Year 12 as opposed to non-Indigenous kids is just outrageous. It's something like, it's don't quite me, but it's something like 65% compared to about 5%. Um, and what that means is that you don't have Aboriginal kids finishing school, which means they don't go to university, which means that they don't get into positions of power and leadership. And look, I say to people in my shows all the time, I'll give you a free album if you can name three famous Aboriginal people who are famous for something that's not sport, music, art, or TV and movies. Mm. Now, those four things are an artistic endeavour, but, you know, so talk business people, politicians, journalists, lawyers, even ab even um, activists. Uh, and, I, you know, I think I've given 24 CDs away in 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, genuinely without sook, and there's always reasons for everything, you know, there's always reasons, and it's not about whinging or having a sook, but, 
you know, the truth of it is, Pip, that in Australia right now, in your town, in my town, there are Aboriginal kids growing up who genuinely don't know or are related to anybody who's ever finished school, mm. who have yes. ever gotten out of the poverty cycle. The only, the only kind of role models they have that have succeeded have been athletes. So there's a whole generation of Aboriginal kids growing up in your community who genuinely believe if I don't get drafted to play AFL footy or NRL, I don't have a future. You know, I go into prisons around Australia and spend a day at a time in juvenile prisons where you've got kids as young as 10 through to 18 in maximum security jail because the majority of the kids in those jails are Indigenous. Now, we make up about 3% of the population, and yet the, the overwhelming majority of kids in prison are Indigenous. Mm. And there's a number of reasons for that. It's role models. There's a lot of kids who deliberately re-offend to go back to jail because life at home is not as good as life in prison, which is just a tragedy. You know? yeah, I mean, I've toured awful. Africa, man. I've toured Africa, and I've seen nothing in third world communities in Africa that I haven't seen here. Mm. So what I want to see, Pip, is I want to see our people getting our kids educated um, I want to see us taking responsibility for our kids and making sure that we get educated. Uh, and it'll be a generational change. It won't happen overnight. Definitely. But it will happen if we just stick at it. You know, we need to start seeing little kids grow up in communities where they look around and they go, my cousins and my siblings go to school. That's the normal expected pattern of behaviour. That's what I'm going to do. And I think that's what where you come back to those role models yeah. as you've previously said. Spot on. Yeah. And that's the great thing that World Vision are doing is they have got a program called Young Mobs, which is, is actually facilitating that and it's making it happen. And you look, if you're sitting out there and you're going, well, you know what, government have thrown money at these people for years or this and that, or you're a bit hard about it. Well, you know what? The reality is that governments are never going to take care of this problem because they are elected for three years and all they're worried about is programs that get them votes for the next election. So if you're sick of seeing Indigenous issues in your town, Put your money where your mouth is and support World Vision because they will take care of the problem that you're sick and tired of. They're out there in the field and they're actually doing it and they're doing a great job. I think our politicians sometimes have a lot to answer for in terms well, of social issues. It's, it's not their fault. It's not their fault, Pip. Yeah. You know why? Because the reality is the politician is on about a fifth of the salary of our big business people. So we don't even have the best minds of our country representing us. We've got the people who are like the fifth best minds. So uh, it's not their fault. They're just doing the best with what God gave them. <laughs> If I can maybe steer towards a little bit yeah, lighter no material now. <laughs> no worries. I heard a little whisper that uh, you used to head to our parts and, and play. Yeah, we used to do cover gigs at Paddy's Bar back in the day when it was Paddy's years and years ago. And um, they were fun nights. Yeah, we had a ball back in the day. Would you care to elaborate? Oh, look, the reef and beef was always a good a good meal. <laughs> <laughs> It's always fun. Oh, fantastic. Well, Scott Darlow, uh, it has been a pleasure to have you in and talk all things your song and ideology. And I wish you all the best as you continue to work. What is on the cards next for you? Well, we have a tour just being booked at the moment. There's a possibility of an Albury show. So if you're in Albury and we are playing here, we would love you to come because, like, you know what, playing to six people sucks. Um, Give us the details. Well, we don't. Look, check out our website, darlow.net or our Facebook, Darlow. If you buy our single on iTunes, it's $1.69. I've got the boys here, Petrus and Jake, and they are busting to wear their tailor-made velvet suits to the Arias. Stop it. Satin piping. Matching top hats. Seen that movie, that, the scene out of Dumb and Dumber where they've got the matching suits? Yeah. That's how these boys are going to look. I'm thinking more like Willy Wonka. Oh, I love where your head's at. Mm. But we can't go if we don't chart, and so we need you to buy the single so we chart. 
Um, and I feel like it's going to be a good thing. Well, that is as any good as a reason to buy the single yeah, as any. Absolutely. Really. Yeah, absolutely. For velvet suits. Fantastic. <laughs> well, got to keep an eye out on those dates, but thank you for coming in today. Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. 105.7 The River.